0: This is a CBC Podcast.
1: Hi, I'm Rebecca Zanbergen. Welcome to Checkup's Ask Me Anything Podcast. And today, that means you're about to hear our AMA, The Neighbourly Dispute Edition.
2: We sometimes see situations where the noise levels between one neighbor and another neighbor causes them to to have a conflict. There's no real escape. You exit your front door and they might be exiting their front door and that's just so, so much closer when you're in a condo. Someone builds a fence where you weren't aware of, they didn't communicate or maybe they did and didn't agree with it and they went ahead.
1: Here's an example of a battle between neighbours that has gone all the way to the BC Supreme Court and you may have seen it on cbc.ca A woman in British Columbia is suing another woman over the installation of a privacy divider on part of a shared deck. This is in a condo building and the issue is that the divider blocks the view of the ocean for one of the neighbours. It's an example of how these battles between neighbours can escalate and that is the focus of this week's Ask Me Anything. Our AM- may guest is Bob Aaron. He's a real estate lawyer with the firm Aaron & Aaron in Toronto. He's also a columnist for the Toronto Star. Bob answered your questions about neighborly disputes. Here are a few highlights from the show. Bob is here in our Toronto studio. Hello, Bob.
3: Hi, Rebecca. Thanks for having me. So
1: when you hear this story about a shared condo balcony, someone puts up a divider, the other person is angry because they can no longer see their beautiful view. I mean, what are the general things you're thinking about when you hear that?
3: Well, some people collect stamps. I collect stories about nasty neighbors. <laughs> this is this is one of them. I've written about it. I've lectured about it. Um, people will spend inordinate amounts of money and craft crazy, crazy Court cases and and legal bases for these cases, and eventually they'll just go away, or it'll cost somebody a lot of money not to prove anything or to prove nothing. And these things happen. This this particular one in BC is crazy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's got a lot of ele- other elements that we're not going to have time to get into right now. But but on the face of it, you know, a, a neighborhood spat. I've heard you talk about in the, that if if neighbors live next to each other, there is inevitably, at some point along the way, in some relationships, a spat is going to happen in a condo building, for instance.
3: Well, in this one, the condo declaration or bylaws or rules initially set up a divider between these two units. And somebody removed it, and I guess the condo corporation or one of the owners decided to put it back where it's supposed to be. And if the condo rules say that's where it's supposed to be, then that's where it's supposed to be. And suing each other for this is, is... just bizarre. Mm -hmm.
1: So I'm here live with Bob Aaron. Uh, He's a real estate store uh, lawyer in and columnist with the Toronto star. Now, if you are having a problem with a neighbor uh, and you feel as though they're doing something that infringes on whatever you think they're infringing on, what, what do you suggest that person does first?
3: The best thing to do is communicate. You communicate directly. You communicate with lawyers, letters, uh, if it goes farther, you can mediate. But going to court is a very, very expensive uh, procedure here in Canada, and paying lawyers to do things like that uh, is just crazy. You can you can spend fifty, seventy-five thousand dollars on a court case and get nowhere. And then if you lose, you got to pay part of the costs of the other side. So I guess talking, mediating, trying to figure it out. But some people will spend just crazy amounts of money on principle. And it just doesn't make sense sometimes.
1: I mean, if you've talked and it's not going anywhere, at what point do you think, okay, now, now I do have to do something?
3: Well, then you got to go to a lawyer, and then you have to do a cost-benefit analysis. The lawyer will say, okay, here's your chances of winning. Here's your chances of losing. And here's what it's going to cost you, win or lose. And then you have to decide... Whether putting up that kind of money, if the lawyer asks for a ten dollars or $20,000 retainer with no guarantees, you have to decide how seriously you're worried about your neighbor's behavior.
1: Mm-hmm. What are some of the most common disputes? What are they over usually? Oh,
3: it's much more fun to talk about uncommon disputes.
1: <laughs> there are so many, are there?
3: Well, one of my favorites, there was a case in, uh, in Britain in, in uh, I guess, 20, 2005, 2008, something like that, where the kid in the house played his bagpipes all the time. That'll do it. <laughs> yeah, that'll do it. And there's something in Britain called an antisocial behavior order. So uh, you get a threat that from the community that if you continue to play your bagpipes you'll get an antisocial behavior order and uh, they threatened to do it and he stopped playing his bagpipes okay. but that story was on the CBC some years
1: ago. Okay I want to go to the phone lines because they are starting to stack up here people with some questions for you. Uh, Linda Dirk in Sudbury has a question. Linda what is your what is your thoughts on this?
2: Well, um, I've lived here for 45 years, and we had an elderly neighbour who passed away, no issues. We helped each other. The city allowed a landlord to purchase the property and make a two-unit apartment, first of all, without a, a building permit. Well, when we questioned that, that started the problems with the landlord. He was quite mad, and he moved tenants in there. Um, Most of them are drug addicts. We went to the city because they use our property as their property. That's when we had shrubs. Shrubs that my father dug out from Manitoulin Island by hand, beautiful shrubs. They ruined the shrubs coming in and out, allowing their animals off the leash, which there's a leash bylaw here, and it was a nightmare for us we went to the city numerous oodles of time and said, could you help here? You allowed this. Can you help us? It's all fallen on deaf ears. Bylaw will show up oddly and say, well, we need to see it. Oh, well, we spoke with that person. Well, that person only lived there for three years. Now there's another person that we have to educate mm-hmm. that the driveway is our driveway. No,
1: Linda, no. It certainly sounds like something you've been dealing with in a headache. I- I'm curious, Bob, when you hear this story, I think it's, not an uncommon one, but but what do you think when you hear it? Sometimes
3: you have to pressure the municipal people to enforce the bylaws. If the place was built without a permit, the city should be held accountable for uh, unwinding what was done illegally or for making sure it was done properly with permits and according to, to the building code. But uh, disputes about uh, parking and driveways, there's tons of these, all kinds of them. It keeps me busy, frankly.
1: I'm sure Linda's wondering how does she, as you say, pressure municipal officials to do something? Well, you
3: just keep going up the ladder. You go to your local councillor or a member, and if that doesn't work, you go to uh, you, you go to the mayor or the, the, head, the head person at the, at the city, um, then you go to the CBC.
1: What, what are your next steps? I mean, is there any, it doesn't sound like you're getting anywhere. Do you, do you know no, what you're getting
2: anywhere? Like they block our driveway and we have to go to them. We have to go to bylaw and bylaw says they need to see it. Hmm. And like when they're not here, how can you see something? Bob, what's your it's, advice for Linda then?
3: Sometimes <laughs> there's just no answer. Maybe have the car ticketed. If it's blocking a, a legitimate driveway, you call the, call the ticketing authorities and have them put parking tickets on it.
1: Hmm. Okay, Linda, thank you for this. The best of luck. It does not sound like a fun one to deal with, but thank you for calling. No, we've
3: dealt with it for quite a while.
2: It's, okay. it's not. So, yeah. okay,
1: thank you. Thanks thank again. You for taking my call. Okay. Have a nice evening. You as Bye. well. We're going to go now to Adam uh, Westing in Toronto. Adam, tell us your, your thoughts. What's going on with you? Well, it's it's a very common complaint. It's dog people
0: versus non-dog people
1: our 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 guest is laughing Bob's having a little chuckle over there what what's going on
0: well i we have people in the building who think that their dogs are the greatest thing in the world, and even though they crap all over the place and they won't clean up um, we find that you can never tell them that this is their responsibility and since we're in a condo, of course it's not covered by the city it's supposed to be us and it becomes quite quite uh a tussle let's put it that way what what and sorts of interactions
1: have you had adam have you been talking to the owners oh yeah they they swear at
0: you
3: hmm
1: bob what's your, what do you what do you say to, to Adam about this problem
3: condominium rules can be enforced. The property managers or the board of directors has an obligation to uphold the rules and regulations and bylaws of the corporation there's been all kinds of court cases about dogs and condominiums and uh if the condominium Owners, If the condominium board won't enforce the dog rules, then you can go in Ontario to the Condominium Authority of Ontario. Uh, In in other provinces, there must be uh, regulators. Or you can take the condominium uh, board to court to enforce the rules.
1: Have you done any of that, Adam? I mean, have you gotten to that point?
0: Uh, No, I haven't. And I probably wouldn't because this is a province. This is a city that likes dogs more than it likes children. So I
3: really don't think... uh, I mean, it's it's, go anywhere.
1: it sounds like Adam is is giving up. Is that is that the right approach? You
3: don't have to give up, Adam. The uh, condos have an uh, an obligation um, to enforce the rules. Dogs and children have to obey the rules. And if they don't, uh, if they're annoying to other neighbors, if they're breaking the rules, if they're fouling the corridors or the common areas, uh, the board should hold them to account.
1: Have you checked in with the condominium, Bob? What, what does yep. it say?
0: They say, well, first we have to prove it's that dog, <laughs> right? So it's got—you've got to have photos of that dog. They're not going to take the poo and get it DNA tested. Um, and I talked to my counselor, and he said it's the one area we will never touch.
3: That's, yeah, it's condominium. It's it's private. Mm-hmm.
0: Anything to do with dogs. <laughs> he says it's. it's he says um, they have these fights over off-leash parks and stuff like that. And you, he says, you know.
1: Do do you do you agree with that, Bob? I mean, do dogs have some? Do they have some special standard that that is impossible to meet or or not?
3: Dogs, people, babies, children, everybody has to behave in a condo. There are rules, but proving whose uh, uh, do- droppings are there is. Another problem.
1: Okay, Adam, thank you for that. It sounds like Bob's advice is thank not to part. give up.
3: I'm speaking to you at a moment of grave crisis.
0: I'm Jeff Turner, and this is Recall. It's a series about history. Not the ancient past, but history that's still hot to the touch. In this first season, I explore a revolutionary political movement that brought a modern democracy to the brink. You can find Recall, How to Start a Revolution, on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Okay, Sylvie, Sylvie Terrier joins us now from Surrey, B.C. Sylvie, tell us uh, your thoughts. What question do you have for Bob today?
4: Oh, I have lots of questions, but I'll limit myself. I understand you have lots of people. Um, I have trouble. I have health concerned because of my downstairs neighbor are smoking cigarette over cigarette and now they smoke cannabis as well. Uh it gives me migraine. The doctor wrote a letter to management. Uh they're doing nothing. Uh, I I have they it's it's such an issue and um I don't know what to do. I mean, uh, we have rules in D.C. You're not supposed to smoke indoor. Uh, You know, they're not. It's a subsidized housing for 55 plus so I don't have the luxury of just moving, picking mm-hmm. up and moving, especially in the lower mainland Vancouver area it's. Uh, I, I just, I'm living in a subsidized housing right now it mm-hmm. says at all, I don't have the mean so I am uh, totally, my health is really bad I never want to go back home my home doesn't feel like a, my home anymore, my apartment home it doesn't feel like my home anymore mm. uh, it's getting Emotionally, I'm getting really, really uh, affected by that as well. I have constant migraine and sore throat and uh, sinuses problem. And these people downstairs deny smoking, which is ridiculous. They have been heavy smokers since ever since I began living there, mm. which is five years ago. It's S- just getting worse. Yeah, Sylvia, I'm, um, I'm,
1: I'm sorry to hear yeah, all of ahead. this. I'm sorry. sorry to hear all of this is going on. It certainly yeah. does not sound like it's a good time for you right now. Bob, when you hear Sylvie describe all of this to you, and I know that cannabis, cigarettes is is, is something you're familiar with and the way it wafts to different neighbours. What are your thoughts? What is your advice for Sylvie well, right now? Well, there
3: have been several court cases going back to 1984. There was one in uh, British Columbia in Saanich, which went up to the Court of Appeal in BC. And the courts have held that um, it's a violation of your charter rights if it disturbs if it, it affects your health, and it can go to the uh, courts or to the um, human rights people uh, in BC, and they can be forced to, to either vacate uh, the condominium or have their tenancy terminated if their smoking interferes with your health and your rights. Uh, There's very strong case law uh, in this area, and you might want to talk to uh, a legal aid person out there or to the human rights people to to get some advice in, in British Columbia about how to deal with this.
1: Yeah, it sounds like Sylvie is, you know, she's living on a fixed income, she's in subsidized housing, and some of this would probably, I'm guessing, Sylvie, you tell me, would feel kind of overwhelming to imagine pursuing this in that way.
4: Well, that's right. Overwhelming as well. I have limited means and also... Um, they told me that it's very difficult to prove because the people downstairs lie to management and management side with them because they, one of the management team, there's two uh, people, go smoking with them. Like it's ridiculous. It's almost uh, a crazy story. I don't know what to do. There's no, they
1: told me that I needed proof. What is the proof, Bob? I mean, if Sylvie's saying she That's needs right. proof, how does she get it?
3: Well, there was a case in 2003 uh, with Young versus the Saanich Police Department and uh, it, it the tenant was ordered out. Um, Sylvie can go to uh, the uh, public health people or the um, yeah, the, uh, public health people and and uh, or the or the legal aid people and have some action taken. I think it's obvious. You don't have to have a, a scientific analysis of where the smoke is coming from. I think it's going to be pretty obvious mm. where it's coming from.
1: Well, thank you, Sylvie, for that call, and the best of luck. We're going to go now to Jeff Melnichuk in BC. Uh, tell us, Jeff, what, what is your question for Bob today?
0: Oh, good afternoon. It's, uh, hi, Bob. Hi. Uh, thanks for taking the call. Yeah, I'm just, uh, I've, I've got, um, uh, I own a, Piece of property with a house on it. My next door neighbor has a house uh, <clears throat> next door to me. Uh, they, they built a woodshed on uh, a piece of my property. Uh, uh, it shows um, it's about one foot over. Uh, the footings are one foot over onto my property, um, and with uh, with the retaining wall. Um, now the the shed was built before before I bought the place, uh, and the woodshed is designed also to dump the snow from the woodshed roof onto. My property as well, um, so I've, I've, I've approached the neighbor, and uh, I think I think there's some awareness of the the problem, but there's no, you know, there's no concrete action and a plan to uh, to move at this
1: point. So, so Jeff, you want the you want the woodshed to be moved so none of it is on your property. If I'm hearing you right, that's right. Yeah, I don't want it on my property. So Bob, what is Jeff to do if there's something on his property that was there long before he took? possession of all of this, what, what can he do?
3: There's uh, a lot of court cases about what we call an encroachment on, on land. Uh, and one of the things you can do is have a talk with the neighbor. If he doesn't want to move it, which he probably won't, then you got to talk to a lawyer and say, look, uh, I, I want damages for trespass. Uh, another possibility is to charge him rent figure out some money per year that that this encroachment is worth. $50 or $5,000 a year to encroach on your property. Um, But ultimately, you're going to have to decide, is it worth paying a lawyer to take this to court? How much money is this worth to you, this encroachment? And Ultimately, you're going to have to decide on a cost-benefit analysis. If it costs you X thousand dollars to get him to move his shed, is it worth it to you?
1: Thank you for calling okay, in. thanks for the call. Bob, uh, we don't have time for any more callers, but I am curious, sort of last words that you would of advice you would give for people who are struggling about some situation, a neighbor that they wish they had a solution to, although it sounds as though there's not always a solution.
3: Unless you live way out in the country and you don't have any neighbors, the price of living in cities with neighbors in condominiums or neighbors who are three feet away from your house, we just going to have to figure out ways to get along with each other and otherwise negotiate or failing that, and I don't recommend this, but Sometimes you just have to go to court.
1: And how, you mentioned it's, you know, we don't have a lot of time, but it's expensive. How expensive can it be? I mean, if you're weighing, doing the cost balance or the cost analysis, what, when is, what is it worth?
3: There was a court case, I, I don't have it in front of me, but, but $70,000 in cost to, to, and that was just one side yeah. uh, to, to negotiate, to, to go right through the court process. It's ugly
1: yeah so a cost-benefit analysis is useful is useful okay uh, bob aaron uh, thank you for joining us i know that uh, a lot of these things you've heard before and and as you were listening to the callers you would sort of shudder silently close your eyes yes. this was all old hat to you so uh yeah it's not it's not something that's easy but it doesn't go away either
3: that's right it's sad
1: yeah bob aaron thank you for joining us on cross-country checkup That was a portion of Cross Country Checkup's AMA about disputes with your neighbours. Bob Aaron is a real estate lawyer in Toronto. If you'd like to listen to yesterday's full two-hour edition of Cross Country Checkup, you can stream the podcast on the CBC Listen app. And if you want to share comments or appear on the show, go to cbc.ca slash aircheck. I'm Rebecca Zandbergen. Thanks for listening. The next live edition of Checkup airs on CBC Radio, CBC News Network and CBC News Explore next Sunday.